0: Welcome to our webinar titled, Bridging the Gap, How to Turn Ideas into Improvements. I want to thank you for being here with us today. My name is Mark Graben. I am the VP of Customer Success for Kinexus. And I'm Greg Jacobson, the CEO and co-founder. So, you know, Greg and I are going to talk today about, I think, this really important idea of bridging the gap. When we talk about the difference between ideas and improvement there really is quite a difference here. Um, A lot of people talk about idea systems, idea management systems, generating ideas, but arguably what really matters and the reason that ideas are important is so that it drives improvement, measurable improvement um, in, in different dimensions, engaging our employees because that leads to better quality, better performance on a lot of different levels. And I think really the
1: biggest distinction here is that if you're looking for ideation, um, it's a really totally different fundamental concept. When we talk about doing continuous improvement, we're really talking about um, identifying and implementing improvements. And that is, seems like a subtle semantics distinction, but it ultimately it drives um, the entire behavior. And ultimately what we're going to find is it drives the entire impact and the outcome of, of the work you're doing.
0: So there's a, real, there's a real danger, and maybe this overstates it a little bit, it's not a life <laughs> or death danger, but within the life and death of an idea program, a Kaizen methodology, a lean transformation, whatever label you give to it, there is a real danger, the danger of neglecting to follow through on employee improvement ideas. There's no better way to crush any uh, starting point than to solicit ideas and not follow through for one reason or another. You know, For years now, here at Kinexus, we've been hearing this kind of common refrain and lament from people that are considering uh, becoming customers when we talk to them about their continuous improvement initiatives. They say almost always some variation of this. Our biggest problem is that we, get, we forget to follow up on ideas. I think a lot of organizations have made an attempt at soliciting ideas, whether that was a traditional suggestion box or a huddle board or different approaches. I think, you know, and the people say we forget that that might be true. It might also be a function of not putting enough time into it, maybe even subtly not really respecting the ideas that come in. Uh, If it was important, people follow through.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think a, a key thing to realize here is that if we're, gonna talk about how to get to the improvement you, you really need to make sure you get ideas and the worst way um, to make sure you don't get any ideas is to not address the ideas you do get it is the first step in the process so um, kind of as we're thinking through the entire process of how to get to the improvement we can't miss the fundamental stuff that all improvements started out that the birth was someone had an idea of how we can improve something so mm-hmm.
0: Now, recently, Greg and I saw uh, a case study that a hospital had posted online that I think illustrates the difference between ideas and improvement, and it shows the danger of not following through. So this this hospital um, was promoting that, you know, they had collected ideas from their employees that they estimated somehow to be worth roughly $20 million. Now, that's a huge impact for an organization. But then when they talked about, The number of ideas that were approved. Now, this is where it becomes more like the classic suggestion box system where employees have ideas, but they're not empowered unless they're given approval by a committee or by a leadership team. And as we typically see with suggestion box style systems, the approved ideas were only worth about $1 million dollars. Which kind of begs the question, why weren't you approving the other 19 million? Why would you leave such a gap? Why would you run the risk of people who had good ideas, whether they were for cost savings or quality or safety? Why would you want them to be demoralized by having their idea not approved? If it was really truly worth that full $20 million, maybe it wasn't. And then the third piece of the puzzle is that the ideas they had actually implemented were only worth $70,000. Now on the scale of the chart, there's there's a barely a blue line that you can see. So this gap from 20 million to 1 million from ideas to things that were approved and then this other huge gap from 1 million to $70,000 it kind of begs the question, you know, why 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 would you trumpet this? This doesn't seem this doesn't sound like success to me, I hate to say it. So, back to the point at hand. A lot of organizations have this big flood of ideas, $20 million worth of ideas. Everybody's submitting something. People get excited. But I think the challenge is not letting that flood of ideas turn into this. You might call this kind of an idea drought or an idea desert. This tends to happen over time where there's that initial wave, and when things don't get followed up on, participation and that's not the fault of the people in the organization. It's understandable. If I speak up and have an idea and you don't listen and you don't follow through, I'm not going to submit another idea. So a lot of organizations really have this as the starting point. It's a complete desert. So how do we go from here? How do we get people involved and turn it into a flood of ideas with waves of improvement or at least or maybe better yet, turn it into this? a steady flowing river, a stream where it's, it's this is not meant to represent a rocky <laughs> process, but just kind of steady flow of not having a big burst of ideas and then nothing, but a good continuous flow of ideas coming in, ideas being implemented. I think that visual is a good way of preventing again this from happening.
1: And I think when we're we're looking at organizations and when we're starting to work with them I would say the overwhelming majority, 75-80% of organizations, we do see that initial wave, right? And so if we're trying to go from wave to river and and not go through the the desert, there's going to be a very specific type of methodology, and and we'll talk a a little bit about that going down the line. Um, but in those 20 to 25 percent of folks that we're working with, where it really kind of starts out as a desert, and you kind of roll things out, if you will, you start your um, improvement process, your continuous improvement process, and then there's cricket. I think that's where things like doing waste walks or, or gemba walks and, and really going out and soliciting, and we'll talk a little bit about that, can really start opening the, the gates, if you will, kind of unleash people and, and, and it may be that they you know the organization for a long time you know really hasn't uh, promoted this type of uh, of engagement and collaboration and communication so people are a little um, nervous at the beginning so um there's definitely solutions for if you have the big wave and there are other solutions for you starting out at the desert
0: yeah so in the beginning and i want to show some data from a couple of our kinex's customers and some of the things that we help them look out for and we coach them look out for and how data can be helpful. Here's one organization that started off with what looks like um, a, a big wave of ideas. The blue line represents the submitted opportunities for improvement. The red line imp, uh, signifies those that are completed. So the blue might be the idea, the red is what's implemented. And as they say on the tube in London, you know, mind the gap. I don't do the accent properly, but mind the gap. This gap between the blue and the red is what's potentially dangerous or demoralizing within the organization. So, yeah, there was a big spike in ideas, but the data helps you see, okay, we've gone from a wave and things have leveled off. Now, the good news is that things kind of leveled off into more of a river type flow as opposed to becoming a desert. If that blue, graph that people see in the Kinexus system had completely flattened out, we'd want to uh, intervene and respond differently. But the good news is that seeing this data, seeing this gap, allows you to, to realize, okay, we need to put more effort into implementing ideas. As you see that red line, even though it lagged, it started catching up. Now, here's a different organization that started off back in 2013, and you can see the blue line shows the submitted ideas, the red shows those that have been implemented. Now there's a bit of a divergent path between these two lines where it's great that there's a steady pace for submitted OIs, but there's a steady pace also of those that are completed, but there is a gap. And again, we need to think about mind the gap. So that last chart was the first couple of months. Over time, you can see they've done a really good job of making sure that that gap doesn't grow, that their implementation rates are basically on par with their ideation rates. So I think one of the the key points, and this may seem obvious, but I think it doesn't happen enough in organizations. Leaders need to ask employees for ideas. We need to ask employees to speak up, to point out problems. We need to do so in the right way. So we need to think about engaging and inspiring people. How do we inspire people uh, to work toward our mission, improving our performance measures, focusing on the patient or the customer? The more we talk about those things as leaders, the more people are willing to speak up. If we never can constructively challenge people, they're just going to assume, oh, things are fine, and I can sort of just go about my day instead of thinking about improvement. Now, don't just demand improvement. You need to help and coach people. Don't just pressure them to improve the metric, but engage with them on the actions and ideas that they can bring forward. I think an important point is to not set quotas or targets. Don't demand that everybody do five improvements this year. Kaizen, as a mode of improvement, works best when people participate voluntarily. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Don't ask just for cost reductions. so in terms of what engages and inspires people. You want to talk about safety, reducing frustration, improving quality. Those will get people to speak up. And I think one other important point, and maybe I'll ask Greg about this from his experience as a physician, is that it's really, really important to not just gather ideas, but to get people to be comfortable in talking about problems, Or opportunities for improvement so within our Kinex's software you can see we very specifically ask people to enter a description of an opportunity it could be stated in terms of a problem and then state a proposed solution you can see within our software it even says that that's optional that we want people um, to, to point out problems and opportunities and then, even as a team, we can talk about proposed solutions. I think the key thing
1: here is, and when we talk about developing an improvement process, that that improvement process needs to have three things, right? And, and the the one, the three things are: it needs to be simple, it needs to be disciplined, and it needs to be consistent across the organization. And I think what what this slide shows really well is that that it when you're trying to capture the idea right we're still at the idea form of this we haven't gotten to the you know actual improvement but when you're trying to capture the idea, it has to be simple if you have a scenario where asking for 15 different questions and you're asking the person to estimate this and, you know, what kind of uh, lean tool are you going to use with this? So is this going to have to be a spaghetti diagram or a five-way and make everything this really complex way to interact with the system, you're going to significantly decrease. I mean, you need to be asking yourself, am I in a desert? It is one of the reasons I'm in a desert because I've made the process so complex for a frontline worker to engage with that they're just afraid to engage with that? And so, uh, keep in mind, you know, when we're coaching folks and um, on, on that kind of the capture part of the kind of continuous improvement cycle, the capture part has to be simple. Doesn't mean that the improvement isn't going to take a lot of complex steps to get to the right answer. It just means that that first step needs to be simple.
0: Right. And you know, those that those potentially complex steps for moving forward to solve a problem to identify the best idea or solution, to go and test things, to go implement things, that needs to be really collaborative. So leaders need to not just approve or reject ideas, but work together to identify something that either solves the problem or at least makes things a little bit better. Part of the collaboration is to make sure we really understand the problem. This is one of the things I've learned working with former Toyota people. You don't jump right into root cause analysis. People sometimes say, all you need to do is the five whys. I'm like, no, 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 wait a minute. That's about the sixth step in a good improvement methodology. You need to first clarify and understand the problem. Because sometimes the way a problem gets initially stated or reported is not really what the actual problem is. There might be a misunderstanding of the problem and the circumstances. So we need to collaborate that way. We need to be collaborative in discussing what we would call in lean, a proposed countermeasure. It's kind of a wonky way to say, what's your idea? But one idea might lead to people brainstorming different things that we could try as different options or things we can do on top of each other. Brainstorming those alternative countermeasures and making sure that you're, you're coaching, not nitpicking. And, and this is the art of continuous improvement, of how to challenge someone without just coming across as being negative and turning people off to the point where they disengage.
1: And I really think this, you know, some of these points really articulates um, why it's so helpful for organizations to have either internal or external um, improvement experts, just to use a generic term. Because, you know, we firmly believe if you're gonna get 100, 1,000, 10,000 people engaged in improvement work, everyone doesn't need to be a belt. Everyone doesn't need to have 40 hours of training, right? And so if we believe that and we say, okay, look, people actually – their natural instinct is that they want things to be better. If you ask people to identify frustrations or problems, um, they will do that. If we take that as a premise and we also take a premise saying, okay, we can't have everyone be an expert, this is a great you know, in, in place for improvement coaches to really – be collaborative and use the, the, the knowledge and the experience that they have in taking that idea, making sure we really define the problem well, and then making it go through that entire process of taking the idea and getting it into the improvement. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and here's a picture that represents what that collaboration might look like. Now, we'd be the first to realize Problems don't get solved completely in conference rooms, but there's a time and a place. This is a picture of a team having a departmental meeting, and they have logged into Kinexus to review and give status updates and discuss different opportunities for improvement. The status, how things are moving along, the results, giving recognition. This is just one piece of it. We have teams that do huddles, they talk about improvements as a group, and then individuals, a couple of them may go off and really dive deeper into the problem. So again, this picture is not meant to represent that it all gets solved in the conference room, but it's meant to represent the teamwork and the collaboration and the leadership that happens when people are doing improvement.
1: And and just to emphasize the point, this is not a committee of people voting up and down ideas. And this is a a team, working through the process of getting the idea into an improvement so I just want to want to clarify that
0: yeah that's a great point so moving on and, and continuing this theme of coaching and collaboration you know, how do we coach people to implement more ideas so not just to generate more ideas but to work together and this this all goes hand in hand we've we've used this diagram once before um, Last year in a different presentation about these positive cycles, these reinforcing cycles in an organization. So we start off by you know, soliciting ideas and by discussing them. Leaders adding energy to the system, as, as some people would say. That discussion is not again, it's again, it's not just yes, no, approve, reject, but it's having this bias toward trying to move everything forward to solving 85 or 90% of the problems that are identified. So that discussion and that positive reinforcement will lead to more ideas being generated. And as we generate more ideas, then, of course, there's more to discuss. But now the second part of this cycle that's important is that it's not just talk, talk, talk. We need some action. So the more we discuss ideas, the more we're going to implement them. We're coaching people. We're delegating. Leaders are sometimes being a servant leader. They're working together. They're implementing things. And that's the key point that then reinforces generating more ideas. So if we don't have any discussion, ideas die, people stop generating ideas. if we don't implement ideas, people, it's reasonable. They say, well, I gave you two ideas, nothing has happened, why am I gonna give you more?
1: I think what's a really good thing to point out here is that the more improvements that are implemented, the better feedback it is to frontline staff, So they're now learning by doing. So they recognize and they become better opportunity for improvement identifiers in that process. And and so you're actually gonna see a team over time get better and get more efficient at this process so they can actually cycle that continuous improvement cycle faster and faster with more efficiency.
0: It's really cool to watch. Yeah, and and to that point, you know, what happens when, and leaders are concerned about this, what what happens when there's a quote-unquote bad idea? You know, you don't want to just smile or be passive aggressive. You you need to respond. You need to help people get better at defining reasonable, solvable problems sometimes. You you need to to not just reject things because then they stop trying. So in a in a realm of a, a spectrum of things you could do, maybe the worst thing to do is just blow off the idea and pretend like it never came up. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kinexis system when you have a structured way of um, capturing and documenting ideas. It's kind of hard for this to happen, but it's not just a technology fix. It's the mindset that says, I need to respect the person who maybe sometimes you might think of it as taking a risk by speaking it up, by speaking up. So then the second bad thing would be to tell them, nope, idea rejected. Bad idea, dumb idea. Even if we don't disparage the idea, if we just say, nope, that's not possible, that's going to be demoralizing. Now, a little bit better and and, and a little bit softer um, uh, way of reacting would be to to maybe talk about why something can't be done now. If somebody proposed an idea that would cost a million dollars, maybe it is the right thing to do, but our organization has a capital budgeting process, and we need to help people understand we're not ignoring it. We haven't rejected it. We might try to come up with other short-term, less expensive alternatives, But we need to talk and collaborate and share with the employee. And then maybe the best thing, if somebody has a big, impractical, expensive, slow idea, would be to figure out something we can do that at least partially addresses the underlying problem. So I think employees aren't necessarily hung up on their idea being accepted, approved, or rejected. What they want is to solve the problem that they identified or at least solve 30% of the problem as a temporary way of at least showing progress and then maybe come back with the bigger fix if it ends up even being needed
1: I cannot mark I can't emphasize enough how important I think this slide is whenever I think something's really important I end up printing it out and putting up on my wall and this is a slide if if I was listening and and I was recognizing I'm, I'm getting either too many of these or is there something I could be doing as a leader engaging in, in kind of the process improvement process or the improvement process, what could I be doing better? I would This would be printed out on my wall and when I think, and I like how we put bad ideas in quotes, when I get that, I would just take a step back, I'd look at it and go, okay, how am I gonna turn a bad idea into an improvement?
0: And, and when you say, yeah, yeah, quote unquote bad idea, sometimes it's only perceived as a bad idea right. because the manager doesn't know enough about the situation. <laughs> Yes. So don't jump to that conclusion that it's a bad idea until like, you know, lean leadership basics would teach you to, to go and see. Don't just talk about it in your office. Go and see the problem. Talk to the people involved, not just the person who brought up the problem. And then, you know, be respectful in how you respond. I think that's that's really important. So we want to shift the model where a lot of organizations get stalled, that flood, that wave turns into a desert because the mindset is the manager has to implement everything. And the manager, no matter how good they are, they're only working so many hours a day. They can only do so much. What works far better is the idea of everybody helping implement ideas. That's the classic Kaizen model. That's what we see uh, successful organizations practicing, kind of shifting it from, The manager implements them all to everybody implements and it's not just one that one is an initial starting point when you implement one and if it's small and if it gives positive reinforcement someone's going to now speak up and help implement a second one and I think this is a really important point don't let the manager be a bottleneck
1: I think this is a a place to mention you know can really help identify exactly what's going on here so um, let 's say you 're a process improvement director you're you 're a process improvement lead improvement specialist you 're you 're trying to monitor and manage twenty or thirty different uh, groups doing improvement departments, whatever it 's called in your organization you, you can really quickly we have reports that can quickly tell you okay in this group i 've got thirty people. How many of these people are responsible in actually implementing versus submitting versus collaborating and really making sure that this is distributed. We know a best practice is definitively that the that the responsibility gets distributed across a team. And when that happens, that team becomes more engaged as a unit. And so um, this is just a, a thing that we constantly see where orga- pockets in an organization that are having a problem with sustainability or – that are going to have a problem. Let's say they had one or two rock stars, and those one or two rock stars leave, everything collapses. It's because they every every single person or every single improvement was being implemented by a very few number of people. So I think this is a, a really great point, Mark. I'm glad we brought it up.
0: And so then we can think about as a manager or within a team who does what, who's implementing, and we can ask. Who can investigate something? Who's good at collecting data? Who's good at brainstorming countermeasures? Those are not necessarily always the same people. And that's where I think the value of a small team comes into play. Getting input from others, testing countermeasures, measuring and evaluating the countermeasures. So you know, ideally within a team, I think people would have the end to end soup to nuts capability of identifying problems and working through the whole process. But what I've seen happen more likely is that you got some people that are good at pointing out problems. The old culture would have labeled them complainers. Right? But they can hand things off to the other people in the team. Sometimes there's there's people who have trouble identifying problems, but then oh once it's pointed out they say, "Oh, you know, duh, that's obvious." And, and they're they're full of ideas about how to fix it. So again, I think that's where the team nature and that collaboration is far better than just I had an idea, a suggestion, you approve it or reject it. That that's an old, outdated model, whether that's a box or or some type of software. This continuous improvement model um, is is very different. So one of the other things that gets in the way is um, you know this idea of we don't have time for improvement. As managers or as staff, I think we can solve that by spreading out the workload. I think we can also challenge ourselves. You know, is that an excuse that we're making, or is it a problem uh, for us to solve? So, if it's an excuse, we say, "Oh, right, yeah, we don't have time. We stop and we give up." Or if we think of lack of time as a problem, we'll figure out how to solve it. You think what Theta Care has done with their no meeting zones? Two hours of the day. That doesn't mean sit and do email. That gives managers time to go out and collaborate and help people do improvement. I think this is uh, a key point. And, and I think when we talk about leadership, the very first thing we talk about with leadership is a
1: commitment. And having a commitment to doing continuous improvement means that it's prioritized, okay? So for instance, just a, a little quick aside, you know, um, Mark, we're, I've got a meeting later today to, to go get a will. We don't have a will yet. Haven't had a will. I've had a child now for four years and haven't had a will. Have I not had time? Or has it not been prioritized? And so we always and we talk about this almost in every webinar in some flavor or variation. But when people say they don't have time, it's simply because it's not being prioritized. And we know if you're going to develop a culture of continuous improvement, the leadership of that unit, that group. So you know, ideally, in an organization that's going to have that culture everywhere, it would trickle down from the senior executive leadership down into the middle middle management leadership. The leadership is going to have to have a commitment and going to have to prioritize that. And all of a sudden you're going to see excuses just completely disappear. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, we want to mention, if you missed last month's webinar, go to uh, kinexus.com slash webinars. There's uh, a library link. Um, we, we spent the whole webinar talking about different ways of making time for continuous improvement. Now we've got two more points to talk about today. The fourth is. The metrics that matter and how to measure them and, and Greg I'm gonna let you talk to this slide because as a co-founder of the company I mean I think you, you should be just you know proud as can be about what our customers are doing so so this is this is
1: as of um, September 1st the impact that our customers we've aggregated across all of our customers have had to their organization and I, I think there's a couple of, of, of take homes here one It's a great number. It's huge. 72 million over 11,000 not ideas collected, but improvements implemented.
0: Yeah, not potential improvement, actually implemented and measured improvement. And,
1: And here's the bottom line. You know, the bottom
0: line is, is if 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 doing
1: continuous improvement doesn't benefit the organization, it shouldn't be done. We know that if you do the right continuous improvements in the right way, it's going to benefit by its definition. It's a self-proclaiming prophecy. But you know, the whole idea here is that your improvement process needs to measure impact. And once it starts measuring impact, the importance of actually implementing improvements is gonna go through the roof. And, and we believe that you know, these are the major categories That across all of our customers that people are tracking and and a lot of these are real hard data type of things because we know leadership for them to commit to thing, to to get that um, To get that um, commitment and that culture of continuous improvement. They're going to have to put resources to that and if they're going to put resources to doing you know Whether it's the you know two hours, whether it's the 15 minute huddle, whether it's, you know, events, projects, whatever those resources are, it's going to have to have an ROI. And there's no better way to articulate an ROI than to make sure that you're measuring impact.
0: And and this this slide and these numbers really focus on dollars and time. I mean, it's almost half a million hours of time saved, which is a, a milestone um, that, that will hit really soon if we haven't already. But, you know, the, the dollars and hours are easy to add up. This doesn't mean we ignore safety, quality, patient, customer satisfaction, other factors. I think one of the important things about the Kaizen style of improvement is that even though you don't focus on cost savings, of course, you're going to tend to get some ideas that among their other benefits include cost savings. One out of 10, one out of eight might have any cost savings. So you want to make sure you're not just approving the ones that have cost savings. You want to help implement every idea, and then um, measure when you can. You know, I think we we have numbers that show something like uh, Greg. What, what are the numbers offhand about the ideas that are worth? Ten thousand dollars or more, or a hundred thousand dollars and more. Right.
1: We're at some. What's and what's amazing is, is this is a byproduct of, of not asking for million dollar ideas. This is a byproduct of asking for low cost, low risk ideas. And people don't realize that when they go up to bat and they're trying to get to first base, they're going to hit a home run. So somewhere around one percent of all ideas that come into the system are worth more than a hundred thousand dollars to the organization, and about two point five percent are worth more than ten thousand dollars. Right. And that is a consistent number that we've now seen for over three years of being able to capture and report on this yeah. data, it's amazing.
0: And the thing to be careful about, again, the, the danger of rejecting ideas is that if somebody speaks up, they have an idea, a manager rejects it because they say, well, that's not really worth anything. Well, then they may cross their arms and stomp away and never bring forward an idea again. But if you let people implement nine ideas that are you know, just kind of nice small workplace improvements, that 10th might, be the one that saves a bunch of money. So that's the the important Kaizen principle that's been taught for at least 25 years since Masaki Amai's book Kaizen came out. You, you, you need to let people implement things because they want to implement them, not just because it has cost savings. There's these other benefits that we have to pay attention to.
1: And I think it's not intuitive. I don't. I think if it, and intuitively, if you were gonna address the problem, you would say, oh, if I'm looking for a million dollar idea. I need to go ask for million dollar ideas. But then you know, this is a great example of how data can actually show a real trends of what exactly happens. I think it's an amazing concept.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the, the, there's the end result measures like that. These charts, we showed you the one on the left earlier, you know, to see the blue line of ideas and the red line of what's implemented and making sure that there's not a gap. This chart here that shows ideas submitted per user, which will tend to track pretty well to ideas implemented per user, if we're making sure there's not a gap between the red and, and the blue. And, and you can look and see well, you know, 93% of our users have logged in at least once. That's one measure of engagement. Are they using Kinexus? Are they um, logging in within a particular date range? Process improvement groups and leaders can use these reports to see levels of participation, and then the other thing, that, and maybe Greg, you can talk to this, going beyond cost savings. Th- this is a real chart from one of our customers that shows a uh, broader range and category of results.
1: And I think we showed the initial impact and we just gave numbers and you know, being a physician, I'm really sensitive to the safety impact, uh, to the safety improvements that have been made. And about 10% of all improvements on average across all of our organization end up being safety related. And when you start thinking about you know i get it some of these are minor safety things and some are moderate and some are, are you know life-threatening type of things and and we're talking about this being in any type of event doesn't have to be a healthcare um organization where um there are safety things and in workplace um, injuries from staff or from from customers but it, it's really hard to put a dollar amount on on um, a life or on an injury and um th- the safety improvements just have a special place in, in my heart mm-hmm. and so I, we definitely we definitely report on them and we definitely make that very visible I think it's 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 a little awkward um, mm-hmm. to try to put a dollar amount towards yeah it.
0: and and we have a lot of customers in healthcare this chart is actually from a non healthcare customer so instead of looking at employee safety and patient safety they've chosen to look at employee safety and vendor safety um, give a little context to this chart now here, here's another chart that shows one of our customers in their early days showing this blue line of the submitted OIs, an initial wave, and you can see how it starts to trail off to become a bit of a river, and then actually kind of flat lines. Sorry to use your doctor term, Greg, but uh-huh. let's say over time, now again, you know this is where le- it's not good that this happened, but as leaders, you can at least identify this and ask why is this happening? What can we do? How can we respond? If that initial wave had continued at that same pace, there would have been an additional 150 opportunities for improvement at that pace. So we call these quote unquote lost OIs. And if on average those were worth $5,000 per improvement, you can see that lost potential. The danger of not continuing to solicit ideas is a little bit different danger than the gap of not implementing what's been brought forward.
1: And it just just to add flavor to this, where did the five, I know what I know what I would be thinking thinking about this analytically. Where did that five thousand dollar number come from? Mm-hmm. And, and that's coming from our customers. We're literally taking the total number of OIs implemented, and we're dividing that by the total impact. So we know on average, if you took all the improvements. And you divide it by just that impact number, it's about 5,000, I mean, even if it was 2,500 at your organization. Some people organizations are a little above or a little bit below that. It's a huge amount. And then I know the other question you're going to be thinking is what happened right at that inflection point? I happen to know the story behind this graph. A, 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 leader, a leader changed in this department that was working, and the, the new leader that came on um, didn't have a commitment and didn't put resources to it and um didn't lead by example and so that um, essentially is a huge amount of of a lost opportunity of a lost impact to the organization
0: yeah and and there was a question that came in so let's touch on it real quickly and i I pulled up from an old webinar greg the numbers and these have been very consistent over time as we look at these 2.5 percent of all opportunities for improvement that are implemented have a financial impact of greater than ten thousand dollars and about 1.4 percent have an impact greater than $100,000 so then the last point we want to touch on here before getting in the Q&A is the value of sharing improvements so we talked about this there's a whole entire past webinar about spreading continuous improvement you can find that again by going to kinexus.com slash webinars but one key point we talked about is the idea of spreading an idea if I've implemented an idea in a department We want to share that and spread that to other departments. Now, this doesn't mean just do a copy and paste. You can see this darker blue box is meant to represent that one of these departments either came up with a way of making it better or they had to tweak the improvement a bit because their environment was a little bit different. We see this across different plants in a manufacturing company, different hospitals or different departments within a health system. As ideas march along, it doesn't mean that they have to be um, just rolled out in a carbon copy way. And and as we move along, let's say somebody has something that is even better. They took an idea that was previously implemented and they had an, they, they realized we could make this even better. That's what the green box represents. The key then is that we need to feed that back to the other earlier departments so that they can adopt and bring that new best practice forward. So don't think of spreading and sharing ideas is being a strictly linear process, we need to have feedback loops and really encourage continuous improvement upon continuous improvement. And to kind of try to quantify the potential of this, if let's say we're an organization with 10 different locations, be that 10 different plants or 10 different hospitals, we can ask the question: you know, people use the term health system: are we really a system or are we just a collection of hospitals? And if we're just a collection of hospitals, the danger is that site one implements an idea that let's say saves $85,000 per year. Sites two through 10, if they implement that idea, that becomes an additional $765,000 or not. If we don't spread the idea, if we don't share it, if we don't implement it or tweak it or do even more incremental or continuous improvement, there's a huge lost opportunity from not having a way of giving visibility to what people are doing in different parts of the organization.
1: And I think this is when we're talking about scaling, this is what we're talking about. You know, how do you get a small team of improvement experts to have a, a huge amount of impact across a really complex organization? And one way they can do that is to unify an entire company so they're working as one organism versus 10 disconnected organisms. And so um, I think that's a, a really great point of um, – I mean, this is low-hanging fruit, right? If it, if it worked in one site, the chances are it's going to help and or work and can probably be improved on in other sites. And so um, it's something we – you know, people come to us a lot because they're trying to solve this problem. It's something we feel very, very strongly about. We need to scale. We need to improve faster.
0: And as we improve faster, and this is the thing we're passionate about and our customers share that passion for, making ideas flow like a river. This is an expression that's used in the lean world. Make a value stream flow like a river. Good, continuous, steady flow. I think the same can be applied to an idea process. And that's really what we're all about is helping people do that. So as we have more questions coming in, um, I want to tell you first about our next webinar. So Greg and I have done a couple of webinars in a row here. We love having outside guests and bringing you experts and other ideas. Um, so Dan Markovitz is going to be joining us on October 13th, and we'll send you a link to register. You'll be able to find that on kinexus.com webinars. Dan uh, has previously written a book called A Factory of One, which is a great book that talks about improvement um, applied to individual work. His new book is called Building the Fit Organization. And it's a really interesting spin on lean. And the word lean has some negative connotations, and Dan will address this. And if we think about being fit as an organization and, and um, you know, parallels to personal fitness, sometimes we're not just trying to lose weight. We're trying to build strength. We're trying to build endurance. We're trying to build stamina. Um, there, There are tools and training methods and things that we can use as an individual or as an organization. And so Dan will do a much better job of talking about that. It's his book, it's his idea. He's gonna be joining us in October. And I really
1: can't wait to hear the webinar. His, his book is coming out, I think, at the end of this month. The Amazon description of the book sounds fascinating. What I love is, is, you know, Mark and I have talked about this a lot, that, you know, to practice process improvement, to have a culture of continuous improvement, to practicing whatever you wanna talk about it, that's a lifestyle decision versus a fad diet and so I, I think the analogy is great and i think analogies in general help us wrap our minds around concepts so i, I just can't wait to hear what what dan has to say and, and to read his books exciting webinar coming up yeah. all
0: right and then we have some other resources to tell you about we've got of course the webinar library we have a blog if you go to blog.kinexis.com. and we've also got some podcasts that we're doing if, if you want to listen to these recorded webinars um, while you're on the exercise bike getting fit, or whether you're driving to work, you can download those as an audio podcast and you can find information about doing that also on kinexus.com slash webinars. So um, we've got about 12, 13 minutes here for uh, Q&A. A lot of questions coming in. Um, Greg, there's a question here from uh, Mohammed who asks, many organizations are trying to uh, wait, is that his question? No. Uh, his question was, the chart shows a number of ideas with the red line and the blue line. It would be interesting to see the number of people submitting ideas, the level of, uh, employee engagement. Can, can you talk about that, Greg? Not just the number of ideas, but how we help people gauge. Um, yeah. And so,
1: so we actually, we have reports, I think in one of the slides we showed it, the pie chart what actually shows the distribution. And so you have really good insight into are all of your ideas coming from a few people, which I would say is a low engagement score, or is that distributed? Now, I'll be honest with you. We don't have an organization where 100% of people are submitting um, all of the ideas, but I think a really good benchmark goal to shoot for is somewhere in the 80 to 90% of your employees um, should be good at um, coming up and identifying problems, and that's – Definitely not going to be what happens in the first month or even in the first year. That would be a mature organization. But, you know, for example, we have a a customer right now that's looking at that. You know, about 30 to 50% of all of the ideas are are coming. I'm sorry. uh, About, yeah, about um, 30 to 50% of the employees in that organization is is originating all of the um, improvements or the, the ideas coming up. And they're really focusing on now, you know, how do we broaden that base a bit? I also think it's really important and this is something I probably wouldn't have said 2 years ago because I just we didn't have as much data to say this but I think it's important to recognize that there are people that are going to be better at contributing to a team in different ways and people that can you know take an idea and implement a really great improvement that skill set is as important to the entire process and so we actually have some new reports coming out in the Kinexis platform that really can address well, is a person collaborating? Are they assigning? Are they um, responsible, or, or are they the just the originator of that idea? And it really gets, I think, a, a better picture and a better idea of what the whole um, the reality of engagement for an organization is. I hope that yeah, kind of yeah. addresses that.
0: Yeah, and there's another question about engagement that comes in uh, from George. He says uh, a Gallup 2012 study showed there was a strong relationship between employee engagement and uh, employee turnover. More engagement means lower turnover. Do we have any data regarding the impact of Kinexus on turnover? Uh, I guess I would just add to the comment and ask you to maybe think about this and answer, Greg. I mean, I, yeah, I agree that that um, connection would—it uh, it makes sense. I've seen that in a lot of organizations. Um, do we do we have anyone? Do you know, Greg? Measuring turnover would be a good thing to go yeah, survey know, people.
1: About I, I think that's a, a great question. I, I don't know of anything offhand, this, to me, gets into um, that kind of validity. So I'm not going to go as far to say, do we need a randomized control placebo trial that parachutes work? You're speaking but like the, a doctor. <laughs> the, the data, yeah, there we go again. But the data is clear that engaged employees have decreased turnover, and we know specifically that continuous improvement um, engages employees. So I'm sure if, if we – if we ended up asking our customers, it's just something we just don't we don't measure in our platform. I'm sure if we asked our customers um, for employee turnover rates, kind of pre and post um, Kinexus, uh, um implementation, that, that there would be that relationship there. Yeah. So, and,
0: and I think there's a there's a second factor where our customers are using Kinexus to help measure and track the direct impact of the different improvement ideas that they've implemented. There's a kind of a second level where uh, whatever customer should almost enter an opportunity for improvement that says start doing improvement. And then when that gets, quote unquote, implemented, they may measure if we if we reduced, I'm just making up numbers, but I think this would be a very plausible scenario. We reduce our nurse turnover uh, from 15 percent down to 8 percent translate that into a number of nurses who did not leave the organization. And that's worth about $100,000 per nurse for hiring and recruitment and, and training and onboarding. So there, there's, and I think our customers probably aren't measuring that, Greg. Um, so I think a lot of ways, I think they're understating the impact of their overall improvement program or culture, because they're, I think they're generally measuring the direct impact of the improvements, not the overall impact. You know?
1: Well, I, I hear what George's question is asking a lot clear. It sounds like we've got to do some homework and ask our customers if they have this data, because I think this would be really interesting data. We could put out a case study on it, blog post or something. That's mm-hmm. a that's a great question and a great op, uh, opportunity for us to improve.
0: Yeah. Um, another question here from Ashok. Uh, he asks um, to to keep the momentum of ideas and improvement flowing in. What reward or recognition methods do you recommend for implemented improvements? So let, let me let me talk about this one a little bit first, Greg, because you know, Joe Schwartz and I um, you know, studied a number of organizations and in and, and our book, Healthcare Kaizen. And what we found is that the, in the rewards and recognition equation, recognition goes a long way. Thank yous from a manager. Thank yous from executives. You don't have to pay people big bonuses or financial rewards. In fact, there's a lot of evidence that that directly suggests paying people for ideas gets very, very dysfunctional very quickly. Um, That's one of the downfalls of the traditional uh, suggestion box approach. So I I think the the great thing about the Kaizen style of continuous improvement, a lot of our customers practice this, is that we're building on intrinsic motivation. People want a less frustrating workplace. They want to do a better job for patients or customers. That becomes very self-perpetuating without having to complicate it with, um, you, know, com- you know, fancy uh, reward schemes or, or big incentives or bonuses.
1: Hey, there's there's a couple books, if you listen to, to Mark and I talk, that we constantly bring up that are not part of the, you know, the lean or process improvement literature, and um, but that have, we think, huge applicability because one of the things we're, we're really talking about is what's the psychology of individual, of team, and of organizational behavior. And those two books are The Power of Habit and, and, um, and Drive, and Drive by Daniel Pink is um, you know really – he articulates in a very clear story um, all of the the data and the I – mean, it's really psychology um, studies that have been done over the last 50 to 60 years that have really looked at an extrinsic versus intrinsic motivations. And what we're seeing is, especially with the younger workforce, um, it, it, I'll say younger is is less than 45 because now I need to push that up, um, that that they're really motivated by intrinsic um, areas. And so one of the things that we're struggling with is when people haven't had the results of their kind of improvement work that they've done before they've engaged with us is they've put in – um, these type of uh, systems and then they're trying to kind of undo that work so Mark and I used to think oh well that's just the wrong way to do it but if that's the way you want to go do it you'll go learn for yourself I'm actually starting to change my mind that going down that wrong path ends up having side effects um, down the line that um, can can make doing it the right way a little bit harder to overcome so when you are kind of thinking about your reward systems I, I really I think your time will be well spent going to read um, going to read drive and then reevaluating mm-hmm. how that would um, apply into you know the way you want to build your improvement process um, okay. throughout your organization so. right
0: um, Here we've got time for a couple more questions here's a question from Louise uh, from Brazil in fact and he's been on um, uh, attending a, a number of our webinars so thank you for doing that i um, considering an organization uh, that's collected about a thousand ideas what tool do you recommend to work as a funnel and criteria to select these ideas. Um, let, me, let me touch on that first, and then Greg, I'm sure you have thoughts. I, I, think, I think I would be careful about falling into the trap of thinking we've got a thousand ideas, we can only select a small number. Um, we, th- this idea of prioritizing, I think, is based on the assumption that only a handful of people can actually go implement ideas. So if, you, if you've got limited bandwidth and that forces you to prioritize, I think that comes back to the point made earlier about uh, fanning out the arrows, having lots and lots of people implementing. If you have a thousand ideas from a thousand different people, they all have the bandwidth, I think, to go and implement one. And I think that reduces some of the need to funnel and prioritize and and select. And you can think of, you know, all that time that's spent prioritizing and selecting should maybe be focused on actually coaching and improving Uh, with people instead of selecting or approving and rejecting ideas
1: I I think that's a great great points mark I don't have much to add to that
0: Um, let's see another question around there's so many good questions here many organizations will write a blog post maybe with answers to some of these other questions Um, many organizations are trying to innovate in their business more than just doing continuous improvement? Do you differentiate between continuous improvement and other disruptive innovative ideas? And how do you treat these big strategic innovative ideas?
1: Craig? I'd love to address this. I I think if you look at innovation and you take a microscope to it, what you're gonna find is continuous improvement, right? And so when we see, Apple just did their keynote yesterday. When we see, oh, this, their new stylist, that's so innovative, but if you really look at what they did most likely, not most likely I know, what they did over the last couple of years is they iterated on that stylus 1,000 or 2,000 times before they got to where they were at. There was a great talk at um, the, um, the the Lean Healthcare Summit in Dallas uh, where a couple of folks were talking about their emergency department and how they really com- complete, it's a totally innovative design for an emergency department. And they broke down how they did that. It was actually 18 iterations over six months that got to that point, and it was each one of those iterations was continuous improvement. And so my 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 question and challenge to you is the way you do innovation is actually by doing continuous improvement. You're just looking at it at a different resolution.
0: And my my point on on this is um, I, I think of a story I saw a Japanese hospital CEO um, talking about improvement and innovation, and they do big six month long projects that they call quality circles and, and they have different um, continuous improvement methods. And the thing he said was the way you find a big idea is by implementing lots and lots of little ideas. That it's very hard to say, I'm gonna go find a million dollar idea. And so that's not practical. But what happens is you occasionally stumble into those by doing lots and lots of improvements. So, I think, you know, one thing that creates a desert is putting the pressure on yourself to say, hey, I'm going to find a million dollar idea. Good luck. But if you implement lots and lots of little ideas, you may sort of trip over one and you start implementing it and you realize, oh, my gosh, that has a big impact. And you might be surprised by that as opposed to intentionally finding it. And
1: I know we're running out of time, Mark, but I do see Mitch's question. Do you want to do we have time to try to address that one?
0: Sure. Um, how do you implement? How do you get something like this off the ground with an organization of about 10,000 employees? Well, my, my bias in, in answering that, well, for one, we can help you with that, uh, Kinexis and, and the role I play and that others play. But my my first thought would be, don't try to implement it all at once across 10,000 employees. You've got to start small. You've got to pilot this somewhere, kind of build a model line, if you will, establish this culture of continuous improvement somewhere and then build upon that to help spread it.
1: And, and that's what we see in every organization that's done this successfully that we're working with. It's the, you build the model, cell, the model line, whatever you want to refer to it, and then, and then you iterate on that. You go from, okay, well, we just did this one department, now let's go to another one. Okay, we're ready to do two more. And, and it's not a copy and paste, it's a copy and improve. And so depending on, we know about one, Improvement expert can roll this out across about 1,500 to 2,000 people in a year based on kind of our data. So if you have more improvement experts and and more resources to it, you could probably do 10,000 people in a year or two, but it's it's definitely not doing 10,000 people on day one.
0: Yeah. And, we'll, and I would also recommend to Mitch, go and find our webinar on how to spread continuous improvement mm. because we we delve into that in a lot more detail. So uh, let, let's go ahead and wrap up. Greg, thank you for uh, working together with me on uh, the webinar today. And thank you uh, to everybody who attended. Thanks, Mark.